Paul confesses that his vision totally transformed and changed his life. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. And I'm Janice. And this program is called Bible Discovery TV, where we go through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We do that every year. We're doing it again next year. And this is exciting because we're coming down to the last part of the New Testament. It's going to be good. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey, what'd you do? I'm going to be taking a look at the book of Galatians as a whole. Ryan? Why does Paul personify the Mosaic law as a jail guard and a schoolmaster in Galatians 3? That's the question I'm going to be attempting to answer in my segment. A, a, a jail and a, and a schoolmaster? Wow, very interesting. Janice? My segment today is called Glory to God. All right, very good. Well, this is the time we're going to study Galatians, Galatians chapter one. So let's open up our Bibles and open up our Bible guide and let's listen to what the Lord tells us. Galatians 1, verses 11 through 24. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ, but they were hearing only, He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Galatians chapter 1 and 2, we are reading Paul's writings again to the province of Galatia. And this is very, very interesting. Now, when we come to this, we realize that Paul is a man who understood persecution. When we pray for the persecuted church today, most of us do not fully understand the situations of those who we're praying for. Interestingly, Christians in the West are beginning, beginning to get a small taste of what persecution means. Praise God. That's right, you heard me. Praise God. The book of Acts 
the acts of the Holy Spirit. Show us how the church of Jesus Christ can grow even more in times of persecution. Now, this is important for us to understand today. More Christians are being persecuted now than any other time in history because the church itself is the largest it has ever been and continues to grow. In fact, the largest church in the world grows under a communist empire. It's true. Paul understood persecution well. At the end of his life, Paul would be a martyr for his faith. However, at the beginning of the church's life, he fully participated and encouraged the persecution of believers. Then Paul met Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that was something. Following his personal conversion and encounter with the Lord, Paul realized his wrong ways and gave himself completely to God and the work of the church. And it was a dramatic change, let me tell you. Something else. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage because this is interesting. As we look at the book of Galatians, we are challenging ourselves to hear what God says from Galatians chapter 1, the last part. This is very important. Revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul's talking here. And uh, if you want to go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, you can get your Bible guide and we'll send it to you. Uh, or actually, you can download it right there and you're seconds away from joining us. Thank you for your donations and we really appreciate that. We trust the Holy Spirit will tell you what you need to give and all that kind of stuff because we can't. The Holy Spirit speaks and we, we don't get in his way. So anyway, it's good. Father, we pray today as we read this in Galatians, we finish out the first chapter that you would help us to see what it says to us right now where we are with what we have today the West and the East, which we're broadcasting to and around the world. And Father, I, I realize that much of the persecuted church is watching right now. Father, we pray for them. They're great people. Help them, Lord. They're suffering. But help them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Galatians chapter 1. This is great. Verse 11. But I make known to you, Paul says... I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which I was, which was preached by me is not according to man, not man's plan. Verse 12, for I neither receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul confesses that his vision of Jesus Christ changed his Life. Now, if anybody's life could be changed, it would need to be Paul's. He was a hard man. But his, his, his vision of Jesus Christ changed. Our testimony is a major part of God working in us. When we have a testimony, it's simple. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ working inside of us. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ as he confronts us and helps us. And beloved, that's what a testimony is. I was confronted by Jesus Christ as a pastor's son at 14 years old at Valley Forge Drive in Ohio, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, actually still Ohio. I want to tell you, I can tell you the place, I can take you right to the house, and I, can, I can't remember the date exactly, but I remember the year. Very, very interesting, and it was during the school time, it wasn't in summer. 
That becomes important. All right. Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. It says this, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of, the, of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Paul was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish zealot. You know, God knows who we are and everything about us. God knows everything about my personality. In fact, he knows what I'll do and when I'll do it and how I'll do it. I don't, but he does because he knows the future. He knows everything about today. He knows everything about yesterday. He knows everything about past, present, and future. God knows everything about me. So when I come to pray to the Lord, I'm talking to somebody who knows everything. And Paul says, I used to, I was so bad to the church. It was unbelievable. Very amazing. Very interesting. Okay, Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 to 24. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, that's God who does that, and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I didn't do that. But I went to Arabah and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the region of Syria and Sicilia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches faith, which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Paul speaks to all Christians to say, it is God who changes our fate. We can try to change, but it will not work. <laughs> True change, real change, only comes from God. Can you imagine your Paul? They don't know you by face, but they know of your reputation. His reputation got around everywhere. And he goes to a church and they tell about a man who you were, who persecuted the church, but God saved. And they glorified God. What an amazing, stunning realization. It is the Lord inside of each of us. He is the one glorified, not us. But God is glorified. And as God is glorified, then we go with him and we follow him. That's what it means when we say we are Christ followers or Christians. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right. On your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. 
And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And I know our reading today is Galatians chapters 1 and 2, but I want to actually jump ahead to chapter 3, and specifically chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Now, in verse 23, Paul compares the law to a jail guard, and in verse 24, he calls the law a schoolmaster. At least that's the translation the King James Version gives. But to quote an old movie, I do not think that word means what you think it means. Let's study. In Galatians 3.23, Paul appropriately personifies the Mosaic law as a jail guard, because just as a jailer holds people captive, Paul says that for a time, so too did God's law lock up his people as prisoners. Truly, when we read the Mosaic law, we can see how every aspect of Jewish life was restricted, restrained, and confined by the law. It essentially did function as a jailer to lock up the Jewish people in a vast system of legal codes and regulations. It actually locked up all people everywhere under sin. But that lockup was meant to be only temporary. It lasted only until faith in Christ was revealed. Jesus came to set the captives free. Paul also personifies the Mosaic Law as a quote-unquote schoolmaster in verse 24. Despite the fancy title though, a schoolmaster was not actually the teacher, at least not in Paul's day. The English term translated as schoolmaster in the King James Bible comes from the Greek word paidagogos, from which the modern English word pedagogue is derived. Although this term has come to primarily refer to a teacher or educator in modern English, this Greek word literally means a trainer of boys or a child attendant, and originally referred to a slave who functioned as a guardian or tutor to their master's freeborn sons. Indeed, in ancient Hellenistic culture, a pedagogue was a trusted, often well-educated slave who was given constant supervision of a boy between the ages of 6 and 16. He was responsible for the disciplined training and the moral development of his charge, going to and from school with him and assisting with his home studies. He was also tasked with protecting the child from any bad outside influences. He was stern and severe in his discipline, and the child often yearned for the day that he would be set free from his care. This too is an apt illustration of the role and function of the law. Like the pedagogue, the law was a temporary guardian meant to escort us to Christ, our good teacher and savior. Contrary to Jewish orthodoxy, the law was always intended to be temporary and never intended to provide righteousness and salvation. In fact, Paul says it can't. Only Jesus Christ can and does so for those who put their faith in him and on him. As one scholar rightly concludes, under the constant discipline of the law, the Jewish people should have learned how impossible it was to keep the law. The law constantly beat them down like a stern disciplinarian, pointing out all their shortcomings and failures. The pain of this discipline was designed to teach them that they could only be declared righteous by God through faith. So I know this was only a brief three-minute introduction to this subject, but hopefully you were able to see how Paul's personification of the law as both a jailer and a pedagogue is a great analogy of the role and function of the law. Like the jailer, the law was only meant to lock up people temporarily until Christ came. 
Similarly, the law, just like the pedagogue, was a temporary guardian guiding those under it to the good teacher, Jesus Christ. Like the child under the care of the guardian, those under the guidance of the law were also, in a sense, children. But once those children have matured in Christ, they are no longer under that guardian. The law was never given as a means of salvation. Rather, it was given to show the standard for God's holiness, which we could never in a million years attain on our own. That's why the law was meant to lead us to the only one who could attain that perfection, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Through him and only him can we be righteous before God Almighty. So what we have to do is when we come to Christ, because everybody talks about the law and having to do what God says because we have to get in the good light of God, there's no getting in the good light of God. Uh, You have to go to Jesus Christ and allow him to come into your life and to revive your spirit. And then you're, in a sense, what Jesus said to Nicodemus, you're born again. Mm -hmm. And when you're born again, that's your response to the teacher. And so then all of a sudden you're in the righteous light or the right with God light. Yeah, because our righteousness, it's the Bible talks about that. It's his filthy rags before him, right? Exactly. Our own righteousness. That's what we do. Yeah. But when we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, then we have his righteousness. And also he sanctifies us, meaning that we change our attitudes then mm-hmm. about sin and yeah. about everything else. We make a decision. We turn from yeah. that, that way of life. Not that we don't sin. We all sin and fall short. But we don't walk in the way of sin. That's the difference. Very, very interesting, I'll tell you. Thank mm-hmm. you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Corey. All right. Well, today, because we are beginning our study of the book of Galatians, we are going to be looking at the book of Galatians itself. So the audience to whom it was written to, the area where they lived, uh, and some of the format and and main issues that the apostle deals with and attempts to help this uh, these people, you know, walk through and deal with. Take a look. The book of Galatians may be the earliest written book of the New Testament. It was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Galatia. There are two different views of just who is meant by Galatians, though. During Paul's lifetime in ministry, the Roman Empire had combined two areas that were once separate into the Roman province of Galatia. So politically and commercially, this area of north and north-central Turkey was known as Galatia. But socially, it's likely that only those in the north would have identified themselves as Galatians culturally. In one view, Paul was using Galatia in the proper Roman way to mean all the Christians in the province whom he had visited. According to the Book of Acts, he visited several cities in the southern part of Galatia. In another view, Paul was writing only to the people who would have identified themselves as culturally Galatian, meaning from the northern area of the province. From the Book of Galatians itself, we know that Paul had visited the Christians that he was writing to. While the Book of Acts does not record a visit to the northern areas of Galatia, it's possible that for time and space they were just not recorded. The book of Galatians itself might help us with this issue. The premise of the book is that people had arrived in Galatia teaching that the Gentile Christians must observe the laws of Moses to truly follow Christ. In so teaching, they directly opposed what the Galatians had learned from Paul, and these teachers had apparently tried to undermine Paul's authority in the process. 
This is why at the beginning of Galatians, Paul gives a defense of his ministry and apostleship. He gives his background of being called by Christ himself, and he records two trips to Jerusalem, one near the beginning of his ministry to visit Peter and James, the brother of Jesus, and another one 14 years later with Barnabas and Titus as the result of a revelation. These two trips seem to mesh well with trips mentioned in Acts, a first trip to get his bearings as an apostle, and a second trip prompted by a prophecy of famine given by a Christian named Agabus. Galatians seems to have been written before the Jerusalem Council that would see Paul travel to Jerusalem for a third time and would authoritatively settle the issue of Gentiles and the law. This also makes sense of why Paul tells of Peter's wavering stance on Gentile Christians. At that point, Christianity was still fledgling, and they hadn't yet gathered in Jerusalem to settle the matter. If this reconstruction is accurate, Galatians would be Paul's first known letter and written around 48 or 49 AD. The book itself is a straightforward apologetic work. It is a defense of the gospel against these teachers claiming that the church must also follow the law. Paul gives a defense of his ministry, reminds them all of why Christians are free of the law and what the law is for, and finally, Paul gives a discourse on how then Christians should live. So wherever you stand on, you know, the debate between the exact area uh, that the book of Galatians was meant to go to, everyone agrees on the intention of the book of Galatians and its main theme and thrust that is helping uh, these Christians deal with some, some issues that they were really going through. And we're going to be talking about some of those issues on the program over the next couple of days. We're going to be looking at some of the specific um, issues that they were experiencing that weren't good and that they were not handling it the way they needed to be handling it as Christians. So the Apostle Paul took that opportunity to really help them think through uh, these different teachers and these different experiences that they were having. You know, this is fascinating and uh, very interesting. And as we study this, I, we need to pay attention because God is doing some amazing things through these books. Mm -hmm. And we need to hear what those things are. So that's great. Uh, what what about Friday? What's going on? Okay, this Friday, just a couple days away, November the 26th, we are hosting a free live event. We, all four of us, will be here in the studio, uh, and we're going to be broadcasting from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time uh, on our YouTube channel, Bible Discovery TV YouTube channel, and also our Bible Discovery TV Facebook page. We're going to be talking about prayer, worship, and warfare in the Bible, in our lives as Christians, what's good, what's appropriate, what's helpful, and what's not. Um, we also will be taking your questions because it is a live event. So if you're in the chat, you'll be able to chat with us. <laughs> All right, very good. Looking forward to that. Hope to see you there. Janice? Well, we are in the book of Galatians, and Paul is really... Um, giving a description of how he was called to apostleship. And he was formerly known as Saul, this man who was very zealous for God to get rid of these people that called themselves the way. Uh, he was disgusted by them and persecuted them. And he was met by the Lord Jesus Christ in a vision on his road to Damascus 
and his life was completely transformed. And as I read this opening a paragraph, this chapter of Galatians, he's talking about his call to apostleship, and then he goes into his contacts at Jerusalem. He's just setting up um, where he was, was and where he is in, in this time. And I thought, you know, it's interesting because if Paul lived in this time right now, we would have been able to know all the details right away as it happened with Paul. We would have known what he looked like. We would have heard about his conversion. We would have found out where he went, why he was going. It would be on the news and we would just be right up on top. But in these days, in the biblical days, of course, that wasn't the case. So Paul is talking about afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. Of course, they had never seen him before. They had only heard about him. So he goes on to say, but they were in hearing only. And here's what they heard. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And the final verse there says, and they glorified God in me. And I thought, how spectacular is that? That is the testimony of Saul, who was transformed into the Apostle Paul, not by his own choice. He was zealously doing what he thought God required of him as a Pharisee. And here his life was transformed by Jesus. And the people, if you'll remember in his conversion, uh, the poor man that Jesus asked to go and, and put his hands and lay him on, Paul said, but, but, but Paul's a murderer. I, I've heard all these things. And these people now were hearing of his transformation. And did they glorify Paul? No, they glorified God through the work of the change of life of Paul. What is my point today? Your testimony my testimony, our testimony makes a difference. It makes a difference. It's powerful how when we individually meet Jesus Christ, he begins a transformation in our life. Maybe not as dramatic as Paul, but over time, things begin to change. And as people watch and listen and see the way we react, our testimony unto God and his changing power is what matters. At the prayer time today, I want to remind you of Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 3.30 to 4.30 Eastern Time. That's the same time as New York City, Eastern Time. And uh, if you would be there, it's great. We have prayer meetings on Facebook, YouTube, and of course, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. It is great. Today we pray and we say, Lord, I, 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 need, I need you right now in my life. I want to be born again. Come into my life, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. 
help me today.